You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello! Please let me see your ticket subs for the double-edge double bill. Tonight, we prepare a burial ground for the cemetery man of Italian the Hall. Adam Thomas and the Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. And I am Thomas Mariani. And look who, I have this great plate of spaghetti I'm going to eat. Oh, the meatballs are eyeballs! And red sauce is a blood! Oh no, and the worms! The worms look tasty. I'm, uh, I'm Adam Thomas. Oh, shout out to all my Italian ancestors who are rolling up in them graves um, like a pasta fazool. Uh, <laughs> I was literally gonna do that! <laughs> hey, you son of a bitch, that's my shtick. I'm the Italian. No, I'm the sorry, Italian. God, cultural appropriation, my fault. You're a real, uh, a wild Luigi over there. It's turning into Judge Revolta at a certain point for me. I, know, I can't keep this up the whole episode, as much as I would want to, Lord knows. As much as you all would want to listen, all of you new listeners, I'm sure, welcome. I think we should just try it. Let's do the whole episode like this. You <laughs> said bad, the movie. Oh, but a people Tonight we're talking about Super Mario Brothers movie and a Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, good lord, we, this is such a train wreck. Once again, new listeners, welcome. We're sorry. <laughs> this is the Double Edge Devil Bill, where um, at the end of all the previous episodes, uh, we have picked a number between 1 and 10. Uh, for two different movies of a good and a bad quality. And that's what gets us our double feature for this particular episode. So at the end of last week's episode, uh, we did uh, picking for this week's topic of Italian horror. We have a good movie that was one of my two picks and a bad movie that was one of Adam's two picks. And uh, it's interesting to talk about Italian horror because I am a red-blooded Italian but have not seen that much Italian horror cinema, Adam. I, I shame my ancestors so much. You know, I don't think you do because you're 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 a little bit younger fella, and Italian horror really started like obviously most of these movies were made in the seventies, eighties, but it had its big resurgence in like the early nineties to the mid nineties, where I was like, oh, because American horror was shit at the time, so everyone was going to other ways to find it. So that's where like Japanese horror got big and Italian horror got big, uh, and that's when I found it. So, yeah, I've seen, I think, actually a lot more than you. But, um, you know, don't be too hard on yourself, buddy. Oh, thanks, Fran. I so appreciate that. Um, But that is a good point that I think Italian horror did, from what I've gleamed of the history, was had its huge surgeons in, like, late 60s through the late 80s. And then, um, ultimately, had a bit of a comeback in the 90s. And hasn't really recovered that much since because you've mentioned like there's been a lot more sort of like Japanese horror in terms of the foreign horror. There's been like Japanese horror, uh, South Korean horror, even in terms of Europe, there's like the French like torture porn that happened like in the early 2000s and stuff like that. Um, but not so much really the the Italian horror. Like what was the last really good Italian horror movie you remember seeing? Oh, good God. Well, if we're going as far as like chronologically, then I have no idea. You got me, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the closest we might say is, like, the remake of Suspiria, because it was an Italian filmmaker. Yeah, that was a good one, but I think that's kind of... It's stretching it a bit, for sure. <sighs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's a subgenre that definitely sort of existed at a specific time, just hasn't really permeated as much, except for, like, some big classics. Like, I have seen stuff like Lucio Fulci's Zombie which is great. It's one of the most bizarre, uh-huh. crazy zombie movies ever made. Or some Argento stuff, like the original Suspiria, of course, uh, which we reviewed on the Horror Returns podcast. Uh, oh, together, yeah. Which is a yep. great, great movie. Um, or Phenomena is one I talked about a lot. I would love to talk about on the show. It's such a fucking weird movie. Oh, man. Demons. Demons I've seen as well. That's great. That, that Demons definitely. is great. 
Yeah. Tenebrae, um, Inferno, House yes, by the Cemetery. I mean, there's mm-hmm. fantastic Italian horror movies. There's also a lot of shit. Yes, hence uh, it fits perfectly for our gimmick, uh, because uh, the first one we're actually going to talk about tonight is the bad pick, which was Adam's Choice, uh, which was Burial Ground, uh, which also goes by a bunch of different titles we'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> like many oh. Italian horror movies, it was released under various different titles all around the world. Then we'll go to my good pick, which was 1994's Cemetery Man, which uh, will be very interesting to talk about both of those. So let's go into first, Burial Ground. So, uh, Burial Ground, a.k.a. Knights of Terror, a.k.a. Burial Ground Knights of Terror, a.k.a. Zombie Horror, a.k.a. The Zombie Dead, a.k.a. Zombie 3, I I do know this Italian horror effect that's very fascinating, is um, a big international hit for uh, George A. Romero was Dawn of the Dead. Where, like, it was popular in the United States, but it really blew up, especially in Italy, in the late 70s, and that instantly got Italian horror filmmakers to be like, oh, we need to produce, like, sequels to really get on the craze of what was titled over there, Zombie, as in Z-O-M-B-I. And that's what made Lucio Fulci's Zombie, which over there was called Zombie 2, even though there was no connection at all with Dawn of the Dead right. whatsoever. Just that they're zombies. Yeah, it's just a zombie movie. And, yeah. and then from there, um, that movie was so successful that they were like, okay, we need to keep making movies in the zombie franchise that don't really relate to one another. And there are, like, what, hundreds of movies called Zombie 3, 4, and 5, right? I think they went up to number 6, but I think there's, like, 10 of each number, right, easily. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even it's though, ridiculous. Even though, once again, these movies have nothing to do with each other, like, at all. Mm. And I knew about a lot of that stuff, much like with Burial Ground. Actually, we haven't really talked about this in terms of my sort of cinematic history. When I was younger in high school, I was a big fan of the sort of rise of internet reviewers that happened in like the late 2000s. Um, like okay. the, like Nostalgia Critic or Cinema Snob. I don't know if you're familiar with any of those. Like Channel Awesome. Any of that shit. In my day, we had Siskel and Ebert, damn it! <laughs> uh, I, well, I've, I've watched a bit of that. I dabbled in the archives of Siskel and Ebert as well. But I, I was a really big fan of those guys, and especially the cinema snob, who I've, I've stopped following a lot of those people, especially uh, them for... There's weird stuff that went on with the channel awesome I don't want to go into. But um, he did a lot of, like, these uh, Italian horror movies, and his first review ever was Burial Ground Nights of Terror, um, actually. It's, like, a very short five-minute review before he started oh. doing, like, super long ones, necessarily. Um, so I had seen clips of this movie in between him making jokes about it, uh, <laughs> but this is the first time I've ever seen it in full. Uh, and Adam, this was your pick, and uh, why? <laughs> well, uh, because it's fucking terrible. This movie is so batshit insane. It's like a hyena shot up with fucking heroin, and you just let it loose in the trailer park. This movie just isn't fucking... I can't... <laughs> you can't even talk. There's incest. Yes. There's... There's clearly a zombie wearing a Frankenstein mask. Yes. It's just, there's a lot of googly-eyed zombies, gummy worm-eyed zombies. You know, we talked about all the the titles, you know, Burial Grounds, Night's Terror. I like to call this Burial Ground. People be fucking. Like, <laughs> colon, people be fucking. Colon, people be fucking. Like, the first half hour of this movie, they're just fucking everywhere. On this castle property, in the grass, in the mud, in the beds. I mean, what? (laughs) I was going to ask if you could deign to maybe do a plot synopsis for people who might not be familiar with the real I think I can. It's a very Uh, simple plot, despite how weird this whole movie is. There's a professor who lives in this castle who discovers all these artifacts underground. He accidentally digs up the undead. But before he digged up the undead, he invited all his friends to come see what he found 
And they're there. They all fuck all over his house while he's not around. But they're just banging everywhere. And there's a weird kid. Or, no, he's and, clearly a small child, Adam, and not a 45-year-old short person. <laughs> he's not a grown-ass man at all. And then zombies come after them, and they hide in, back in that castle, and chaos and gore ensue. Right, simple premise. Um, it's just all the juicy details are where this gets uh, fucked up, is like putting it very mildly, I would say. Dude. That fucking kid's got some problems. <laughs> what, what? I don't know what you could be talking about. He seems like a very sturdy, stable, nice boy. Jesus Christ. When you first see him, you're like, oh yeah, that's not a 10-year-old. There's no fucking way. <laughs> Once again, he's like, all right, there's one of the characters in here, one of the groups is a family. The stepfather, the mother, and then this child, Michael, um, who, if you forget that name, don't worry, they're going to say it a lot. Much like many of the other names. This is one of those great horror, bad horror movies where people just say each other's names constantly in case you forgot about them. And uh, Michael is uh, played by a guy named Pietro Barzucci, um, who was actually, um, I believe he was like somewhere was in like, like his like 20s or something. Yeah, he was like 24 or 25, actually. Oh, yeah, right. right. So he's like mid-20s. Uh, he looks 45. Yeah. Um, sorry, oh, yeah. <laughs> sir, but... Uh, he's, not, he's not fucking stubble. Like, it's he's, obvious. Yeah, he, he's got stubble, yes. Uh, but he is supposed to be playing ostensibly like a 10-year-old boy, I guess. Um, but every time they have a shot of this kid, it's comedy gold. Like, there's a point when we first see him in bed where his mother just comes in like, Oh, Michael, um, come on down. We're, we're all getting together. Don't you want to have some fun? And he just stares at her, and there's a really bad close-up of him. <laughs> it's so creepy. It's creepier than any of the zombies in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's the scariest motherfucker in this movie. His mom's getting her fucking thing on with the stepdad. He just walks in the room, slowly opens the door. They stop. Don't get dressed, by the way. And he walks in the room, and then she just gets up casually out of bed, nude, stands in the middle of the room, and then, like, halfway covers herself. Go to bed, Michael. Hey, mama. What the fuck is going on? My favorite part about that is the fact that he comes over to the door and, like, I think he starts barely opening the door and they're like, (gasps) in the bed. And then it cuts over to a shot of Michael very slowly opening the door and then Mm -hmm. awkwardly shuffling, like, around and then doing, like, a U-turn into the room and then staring at them like, (gasps) Mom! (laughs) It's like, it's a fucking (laughs) two-minute sequence of him doing And then, as you mentioned, uh, he becomes very incesty with his mother. Um, and and everybody at, the, at, at that same time, though, everybody else in the hotel is having sex. Well, not the hotel, the castle. In the castle, yes. yes. Like, what is going on? Okay, so I'm just going to dive right into it, the incest stuff. Yes. Uh, Once again, welcome new listeners, and I hope you love the ESO yes. Network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... So they get away, the stepdad's dead, which, by the way, he keeps shooting them in the same spot. It's the same shot over and over. Yes. So they get away. Yeah. Uh, Michael, you okay? And, oh, mama. And he starts kissing her. And they start kissing, kissing, like making out. Yes. Then he casually pulls her her breast out. Yep. And then, and she's like, yeah, whatever. It's a good. You're my son. And then... <laughs> He says rubbing her leg and then clearly goes for the crotch because his excuse was when you used to hold me so close, mama, I need to be close to you again. And then she slaps him in the face and runs away. But I'm your son. And she's like, Michael, I'm a son. Wait, what? What the fuck just happened? (laughs) Were these two fucking like, seriously, is this a thing? Jesus Christ! Which I love, the that is mostly just foreshadowing for later on, there's a creepy, like, the, the, the climax of the movie. Oh, which is so fucking weird. He grows an appendage back out of nowhere. That's that's right, yes, because he got his arm eaten off earlier, and, but then was turned to a zombie, and then proceeds to take out his mother's breasts and start sucking on him, and then start... Oh, and she's him. totally into it, too. She's like... Yes, just, you loved it when you were a baby. Go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. and and then uh, he bites that... bites uh, her nipple off. Yep, bites her nipple off. Admittingly, in probably the best special effects shot of the whole movie. That's Uh actually a pretty impressive effect. It looks seamless. I don't know that that would kill her. 
I mean, it probably wouldn't kill her, but it probably inc- incapacitated her enough to have all the slow-moving zombies come toward her anyway. We see her, like, later being eaten, pretty much, like, a few scenes. Not even a few, like, a few seconds after that. And there's, much. like, eight, eight of zombies, and it's the same guys every time. Yeah, it's, it's the same eight zombies in mildly different, like, either they're wearing robes for the ending of the movie, or just these gray smocks that they wear for most of it. You know, I didn't get a chance to talk about just my overall thoughts. Now that we have the incest out of the way, the important thing. Yeah, no, way. yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, I realize, kind of feels like the standard from which all parodies of Italian horror would come from. Like, anytime somebody's making fun of an Italian horror movie, especially when they overdub it, it is a parody of specifically this kind of movie. Is that inaccurate? No, I absolutely agree. I, I, I mean, I'm, I tend to believe that some of the actors in this movie uh, are actually speaking their lines. By some, I mean maybe two or three. And the rest are just so poorly fucking dubbed. I mean, this is some of the worst dubbing I've ever seen in a movie. But in a perfect way, though. Like, if you see this movie, definitely see the bad English dub. Right. Like, like our last episode, the Clyde Barker episode, where uh, our guest Scott was like, oh, this is so bad, it's good movie. I would count this as that. Like, this movie is so fucking wild and batshit off the wall, nonsensical bullshit that you, it kind of has to be seen to be believed. Right, where it's like, even when there's the respite points between the really wacky stuff, you're still just kind of baffled, and they're still really entertained. Like, in a lot of those Italian horror movies that I've seen, there's definitely moments where people kind of, like, walk around the hallways, and it's atmospheric and gothic and spooky. And when this movie tries to do it, it's just like someone work, walking around an awkwardly lit hallway. <laughs> or with a candle right next to her fucking eyeball for five minutes. <laughs> Why is one of the zombies an expert knife thrower? That's a weird thing, is, like, these zombies apparently are intelligent enough to use tools, because one, like, they use a scythe at one point to decapitate somebody. Which is the sharpest scythe I've ever seen in a film. Because there was zero effort. <laughs> I mean, either that, or that woman's, like, neck is very poorly put together. <laughs> like, it's made out of butter or something, because it's just, like, really thin, sli- like, oh, wow, I can't even believe it's butter. <laughs> it's angel food cake. <laughs> she just made of angel food. oh my god but no i i would generally agree that this is pretty entertaining it's also it's 80 minutes long and it goes by in a breeze it's very simple it doesn't sort of convolute anything that's going on here i think in a really bizarrely fascinating way it is definitely like maybe not so much so bad it's good consistently but even when it's not so bad it's good it's like a train wreck like you're watching like oh we're going this way okay We're, we're turning left we're turning right, we're doing a U-turn, and then backing out, and doing whatever the fuck this is, okay. There's a lot of that, and even with, like, the inconsistency of the zombies, where I would argue some of the zombies actually look kind of good, especially, like, at the opening, when the professor's looking in the cave. Some of those zombies, and the way they skulk around, do look kind of terrifying, and then the moment they get onto, like, sunlit land, it's like, oh no, some of these are, like, yeah, bad Frankenstein masks. <laughs> it's it's this weird mishmash of, like, some really impressive makeup effects, too. Like, even when people get eaten, there's this weird, like, almost pinkish-red tone to the blood. But that was a big thing back then. Like, you watched Dawn of the Dead. The blood was that. It was that pinkish, bright, orangey, red. Right. Like, it was, I mean, it all came from that, and clearly they were trying to ape those films in this. When they get to the monks... And it shows all the monks. They're just normal dudes with, like, shitty gel makeup on. <laughs> like, just a bunch of dudes. And there's there's no explanation. No explanation. No. No, none. What's Just that, like, oh, I guess this spread. But how? Because I thought this was so all isolated to the caves. Because it was religious or in some way. I don't Because they were all set there praying. It's really about the Catholic Church's hold over everybody. Adam. It's a very deep film. It very well could be. Maybe we're just not intelligent enough. I don't know. Not whatsoever, no. And especially how much the incest just says about the Italian force, um, I'm sure. That little motherfucker's haircut, by the way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then he becomes a zombie and it's still just perfectly moosed. Like, good <laughs> damn. <laughs> His fucking bird-like mouth and nose and shit like that. He's, it's just... He's so just weird and stands out as like this weird cartoon character. <laughs> it's creepy. You know, he reminds, he reminds me of the backwards talking man from Twin Peaks. You know, that that's not a bad comparison, yeah, just in terms of his whole demeanor. Wide head and just like, it's just, it's fucking weird. It, it it's is weird. weird. 
Right. Um, and, and then some of the other characters, though, are interesting, I guess, in their own way. Um, particularly with how much they really like to just stand there and either scream about just how they're, like, injured or scream at the zombies as they're slowly coming toward them. That's most of the movie. <laughs> My favorite scene is okay. when they're in, like, the armory where there's spears and everything. And the one starts coming after Michael and he's like, Mama! And she turns around and she, it's literally like 30 seconds almost of her looking at him and the zombie coming towards him. And then she's like, No, get away from my baby! Like she doesn't react at all. Like, what is going on? Homeboy with the mustache, too. That guy got a, when he flipped the maid out of the window, <laughs> like, Yeah, that's probably the, that was a, actually a smart decision. So you close that fucking window. She's already dead, man. <laughs> this movie's outrageous. There's a lot of like trying to save people who are clearly just like either catatonically at the end, the two women, like um, the mother of Michael, who's catatonic about her son dying, and then also the one woman who got bruised earlier, and it's just like I can't walk. Oh I mean, god. <laughs> fair she got her foot caught in a bear trap right that's true yes it's only because when you see the actual damage it looks like a mild bruise yeah and they even say it oh you're bruised let's wrap it so it doesn't swell like wait a minute <laughs> like she's got a bruised ankle walk on it what the fuck are you doing and i love i love that they closed that gate by the way which apparently the zombies are strong enough to get through a metal gate but then they're able to to push a giant stone sculpture in front of it, and the zombies can easily move that. Right, I, I just love the inconsistency where it's like the th- the three people who are still alive at that point can easily move that big structure in front, and then he's like, "Oh, hey, hold it down," and the two girls are like almost trying to move it out of the way so they can like escape because some other zombies are coming d- down the stairs, and they're like. Ugh. We can't move it at all. We're weak women, I guess. It's like, oh, good lord. Like, there's, there's that. And then the zombies easily just, like, push out of the way like it's fucking balsa wood. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> and they didn't stop it. This movie is fucking wild, man. It, it's I mean, very what odd. an insane movie. Um, did you notice the typos at the end? They will walk on the earth and all that. <laughs> yeah, but it won't be tonight. And it's like T O N I. Like HGT or his other is all fucked up. I mean, just oh, there's there's so much like the weird synthesizer fart score that happens like the same. Wow. Like, oh my god. And you know, I will also say there's some cool, I would say, like, zombie sort of affecting moments, I guess. Not just the blood, but also, I love the bit where the one guy uses, like, the fire poker to smash the zombie's head in. But it's this weird thing where it's like, oh, they're like dust, so it's like breaking apart and there's dust everywhere. And there's even weird inconsistencies about, like, there's that woman who gets her head run through the window with shards, which is one of the most awkward effects I may have ever seen of blood. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh-huh. then, like, there's this super where he's, like, pushing her through, like, yeah, I'm doing this, doing this, and then he, like, gives up, like, ugh, and then he falls over. Like, why Why did he die? Why that happened? I, I don't know. I what don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, Jesus Christ, this Can movie. Can you even speak? <laughs> no, because this movie has literally bewildered me. And I've read reviews where people are like, this is like perfect Italian zombie horror movie. What, wait, what? <laughs> this is unintelligible fucking nonsense. I mean, it feels definitely like if you've ever, like I mentioned the parody element earlier, if you ever saw the brilliant Edgar Wright directed trailer from Grindhouse, don't. That's like this movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. This is the movie that Edgar Wright's making fun of with that bit, and especially the way that they would sell it in the United States afterward, like a foreign film, where it's like, oh, don't do this, don't, 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 even though that had nothing to do with the original title. In the same way, like, all the voices, like, you've been doing the Mario accent for a lot of the voices, what I love about the dub is that they're all a lot more just sort of, like, plain cartoon voices, like, they sound like they're almost like Charlie Brown characters, like, Mm -hmm. fucking uh, Michael sounds like, Mama, no, why, Mama? Mama! Like he, yeah, he's just like baby Sinclair. Most of the men have the typical, like, no, I don't want you to go in there <laughs> voice. Like, this might be the same guy doing all the voices. And also the same guy doing the awkward female voice that are like, very high pitched, like, no, Michael, no! Oh, <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's, but it is very entertaining. I would definitely agree with mm-hmm. you. This fits in the so bad it's good. 
kind of carrot category just in terms like you're watching like what the fuck might not be the best movie to watch with friends if they're not gonna like you know laugh at the incest bit and just be horrified by it because right. <laughs> it's pretty weird but it, in certain social situations it's a pretty fun especially like this would be a really good um put it on during a halloween party movie yeah i, I can agree with that yeah because if you don't necessarily pay attention, you can, like, look over some of the boring bits, and then just like, wait, what the fuck's happening? They bit her boob off? <laughs> like, the wife came home from work today, and I just finished watching it. I filled her in on the incest bit. She's like, what? Is <laughs> this fucking movie? Like, I, I don't, I, 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 you gotta see it. <laughs> like, it's just, it's insane. And what is it, like an hour and 25 minutes? But not even that, yeah. It's, it's so short. It's so merciful. Not even merciful, just it's so quick and goes by in a flash. I love that every time a zombie appears in this movie, like for the first time, everyone stops and like examines them for five minutes before they run away. Yep, like they're just, oh, what are you doing there? It's a, stop, stop, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. It's like the Eddie Izzard bit where it's like, stop, or I'll say stop again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Who are you? Who are you? Why are you here? What's your name? What do you want with us? Get out of here! No! Wait! What? All the stock like voiceover bits you would hear in a video game when somebody like gets punched, like, oh, no. <laughs> like I said, he's shooting them in the chest, and it's the same bullet shot every time. And by the way, I didn't realize green paint was his flammable as it apparently is oh i fucking forgot about the green paint she lights him on fire quite easily yes um with i'm sure very unsafe fire effects um, for this low budget production r.i.p stuntman um but it, like it, it, it even starts like from the beginning with the professor character who's almost like this weird grizzly adams type just like oh i've gotta find every oh i gotta find out What's in these tombs? Oh! <laughs> Just the, the dubbing. It's, it's so ridiculous. It, it definitely is. He, but... like he looks like the dinosaur expert that Alan Grant was based on. Yes, that's very <laughs> accurate. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> sure. Um, but I guess we could talk mindlessly about this movie for a while. But I guess I'm, before we go into final thoughts, I want to ask Adam, what do you feel separates this from a lot of like the bad zombie rip-offs we've gotten, especially recently, where you have like really bad, like really attempts at cashing in, like, on The Walking Dead and all this other stuff. Like, zombie movies can be miserable, boring, awful watches some of the at points. Worst. Yes. Yeah, some of the what, worst. What makes this stand out so much compared to that, besides maybe some of the stuff we've mentioned that's all incesty and other things? This movie is a perfect what-the-fuck-in-a-package from start to finish. I mean, it's... It, 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 there's zero explanation as to why they are zombies. And mm-hmm. yet, so everyone in the movie, the very first guy, it's a walking corpse. Like, they just know what's going on. But then they almost give you glimpses of, well, maybe this white caused it, maybe this white caused it, and they do nothing with it. This movie is pure zombie sleaze and gore just to be that. There's no social commentary. There's no anything. It is just pure zombie gore and violence. I mean, I guess that those are pretty good final thoughts unless you have anything else to say. That little fucker creeps me out, man. <laughs> he, he really gets under my fucking skin. Like, I don't like that guy. I, I, I guess he's still alive, too. I, 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 I don't like him. I don't want to meet him. <laughs> oh, man, he's going to be at that horror convention you love going to all the time. He might be. He might be. That's about the quality of guess we get. He might be there. <laughs> I would love to see somebody like a Dragon Con cosplay as that character. Just going around looking so fucking weird. <laughs> Just weird. With a big ass head. <laughs> and a weird and the saucer eyes. As a ten year old. Like what is happening here? <laughs> Just walking around with a decapitated arm like Mama! Mom, mama, mama, give me your breast. <laughs> oh, uh, don't say that around a convention, kids. That might get you thrown out by security. For me, I agree with all of that that you were saying earlier, Adam. And I'll just add, this is definitely a pretty good primer for, like, if you've seen, I guess, the classics, like I have some, like, the bigger tier Italian horror. And you're like, but what is the average Italian horror movie? Or at least, like, the average, like, really bizarre, weird one that's not as famous is? This seems like a solid entry 
point for that. <laughs> just like, this is the weird underground shit that not a lot of people just like really bring up unless you're like a deep dive horror fan. And um, for that, it's uh, quite a lot of fun, quite enjoyable, batshit weird insane. And like I said, even when it's not being like heights of so bad it's good, it's just so bizarre that you can't take your eyes off of it. It's definitely one of the more entertainingly bad ones you've talked about on the show. Hey, I bought it. Oh, Lord. Dude, I got it. was a one-day f- sale for $4. I bought the fucking thing. I own it now. Are there any special features? No. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> oh, man. I wanted the whole commentary track. <laughs> no, they're the best, because they're just been, I don't know why the hell we did it. Hey, <laughs> what do you want to be doing? Uh, but, I mean, if you don't want to buy physical media necessarily, uh, it is readily available on YouTube in the bad dub. It, it is readily available for you to gleam at. Uh, but... Pretty shitty video quality, though. I will say that. But doesn't that only enhance the experience, Adam? Yeah, probably, because that's probably exactly how it looked when it first came out. Like, it's like, imagine trying to watch that on Blu-ray. Like, this is so crystal clear. I don't want to spend have some yeah, poor, like, restoration what, what? person waste their time on this movie. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. it's... It's perfect for, like, it's just on, like, a weird YouTube playlist along with all the other, like, just random copyright fringy movies that are just all over the place on YouTube. Let's uh, stop talking about piracy and talk about a great ESO show you could be listening to right now. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us... It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and talk about our good feature for the evening, which is Cemetery Man. I don't know how the epidemic started. All I know is that some people, on the seventh night after their death, come back to life. I call them returners. Is it true what they say? That the dead come back to life here at night? Go away. I haven't got time for the living. If you don't want the dead coming back to life, why don't you just kill the living? (laughs) Shoot them in the head. So, uh, Cemetery Man... A.K.A. There's only one uh, notable alternate title, which was De La Morte De La Mor, which I believe is like what of love of death, right? Yeah, something like that, like to love to die or whatever. Like to it's love, right, right. Old Italian to new Italian. Yes, yes. Uh, and um, it came out March 25th, 1994, in Italy, um, and then came out April 26th, 1996, in uh, the U.S. Is directed by uh, Michel Asovi. And uh, is also uh, written by him and Gianni Romoli, who I believe is the guy that created Dylan Dog, right? Yes, he is. He 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 did create Dylan Dog and uh, the book that this is based on. Right. Yes. Um, and um, it's it's quite interesting because um, for those of you who don't know, Dylan Dog is like this Italian comic uh, that's basically about like a guy that hunts down demons um, with his sidekick Groucho Marx. There's a film. There, there is a film. I've seen that film. It's a terrible film. It's an awful film, and they couldn't get, of course, the rights for Groucho Marx, so they had Brandon Routh with uh, his Jimmy Olsen, Sam Huntington, uh, doing a really bad comedic performance. Isn't Tay Diggs the bad guy? That's such a bummer, too. Tay, why are you here? Tay. Stop it, Tay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, that's actually, it's one of those things like Avatar The Last Airbender where I hadn't seen the source material, but I saw that movie, and I'm like, okay, I've heard enough people really love the source material that I have to go back to it. And I've read some of Dylan Dog and I watched the show Avatar The Last Minute. like, oh yeah, what the fuck? How'd they just fuck this up? Oh yeah, the source material's badass. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very cool. And that's, it's sort of semi-familiar to this story, though it's definitely, mainly because uh, Rupert Everett is our lead. Which is interesting, especially because this is, like, before he became, like, a bigger star. Because he'd been in, like, British productions before this. And it was, like released in America right before he did My Best Friend's Wedding, which blew him up for his brief period as sort of like the it British, especially a homosexual actor, which is really interesting given he's playing essentially like an Ash Williams role here. Oh yeah, he's a womanizer. He's, oh yeah. 
Right, as uh, Francesco de la Morte, who, if you aren't familiar with this movie, basically uh, he plays this character who is the caretaker of a cemetery that exists in some weird nebulous world of some sort. We'll definitely talk about the surreality that's going on here, uh, where every seven days somebody who's been buried will come back from the grave, and he proceeds to shoot them. So seven days after they're buried, they come back, and uh, he and he is just there with his assistant, uh, Nagi, uh, who just speaks in one-syllable garbled phrases that he instantly understands. Um, and the Francesco character ends up running into this mysterious Italian woman whose husband has just died and ends up falling in love with her very directly. She, he says she's the only one I've ever fallen in love with, but her husband rises from the grave and starts biting her, and um, he she might be dead, he might have shot her unintentionally, there's a lot of ambiguity there, but something that racks on his soul, as well as like having to kill so many of the dead that rise up, and starts uh, really shifting his warped, already reality from there. Yeah, so this was your pick. Yes. Uh, how do you feel about this now that you've seen it for the first time? Well, full disclosure, I speaking to what I was saying earlier about Burial Ground with like, sort of origins of me being like getting into films and hearing about some of these movies. I first heard about this from, um, I think someone you're familiar with, uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. Oh yeah. Um, interestingly, he did a series, um, every October he would do like short, like five to like two to five minute videos talking about like, um, a different movie in October that he liked recommending it to mm-hmm. people, horror movies, it's in a massacre's monster badness. And right. one of the years he talked about this movie, and I was, at that point, a big Evil Dead fan. And I'm like, oh my god, this looks so cool, and it's like Italian, it's a bit different. I'd love to see that. Never did, until this show. And I'm like, you know what, I want to finally see this. And I'll say, the first half was exactly what I expected it to be. And then it takes a very interesting turn from there, that um, by the end of the movie, I was very just kind of like, it's one of those times where I had to really sit with it. And think about it for like the two days it's now been since I've seen it. And the more I think about it, the more I think that surreal, weird ending is kind of a brilliant commentary on a lot of these horror comedies that we love so much. I I think this actually ends up being a fascinating, surreal take on sort of like the Ash Williams type of character that's become so beloved in like pop culture. And really just examines like what kind of mental toll does that take on a person? And how much can that completely warp their sense of being in a way that's extremely fascinating and unique and made it, honestly, like a, a, a really great watch for me. It's one that's really aged, well, aged. It's one that's really sat well with me as I've stewed about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't get into this one, man. I, I tried. This has definitely been on one of my watch lists for a long, long time. It's always praised like, oh, you know, Delamorte, Delamore, like Cemetery Man. It's an unsung champion. It, it is right in the vein of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, which it is, and I, I can agree with that, but man, I had a hard time with this one. Okay, um, does that extend to, say, a Rupert Everett? Do you think he's the problem with it? No, Rupert Everett's badass. Okay. I mean, he's awesome. He's Rupert Everett. I've always liked Rupert Everett. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Knowing what we know now about Rupert Everett, it's not very believable him with the women. And I don't know that that's because of his sexual orientation or if that's because the character he was trying to play. Like, I just never believed him as a ladies' man in this film. Although Anna Fauci is gorgeous. Yes, as his love interest who pops up here mm-hmm. from there. Good um, lord. Right, she, she is very uh, striking and beautiful. Uh, very much like a, a great sort of um, Italian beauty that would show up distinctly. Uh-huh. Um, and she does nude scenes, and uh, her areolas are massive. But they look fantastic. <laughs> no, they do. They do. Not, not to be crass, but yeah, she does look quite beautiful. They're, they're quite big, though. <laughs> <laughs> But what what I think is interesting about sort of that take on the character um, that you're saying that he's supposed to be a ladies' man, I think what's fascinating is I think he fancies himself as sort of somebody less like a ladies' man and more like a man with no name, where he doesn't have many attachments to women, necessarily. Like, this is the first woman he said he's ever fallen in love with. And he's more of just, mm. like, he's fallen to, like, oh, I have this responsibility to take care of the cemetery, I have 
like so much that I like devote my time to. I can't fall in love with anybody. He just like, he really ignores most of the women that are around him until she shows up, and then he just grows this intense fascination with her, and it becomes like almost this like I said this huge obsession that he has about this woman to the point where when she ends up dying tragically after they've had uh, sex and he thinks like, oh, maybe did I shoot her and all this other stuff? It becomes, that's what's so interesting to me is like a almost vertigo or taxi driver style character study about this character who goes from like being, oh, I'm the baddest, I'm this particular character to being this weird crusader he thinks for like what he feels is like the right thing to do, what death has told him, which I, I fucking love the depiction of the Reaper in this movie. I love that puppet. It only shows up once and it like comes up from the ashes and just tells him, you know, why don't you cut the middleman? Why not just kill the living? I'm a big fan of like Grim Reaper depictions anyway, but that's such an interesting, weird depiction of that character as this just like guiding voice of like, this is what you should do now. And it's this weird warped psychology that I'm just fascinated by it's because it feels like in any of these other movies where you have like, Oh, the badass character, he feels more like a typical Ash where he like might be an asshole or kind of an idiot, or all this other stuff, or he is just like a Duke Nukem, no, I'm totally badass, I'm a ladies' man, I'm all this other stuff. This guy fancies himself to kind of be that, after just, like, one encounter with love, but slowly turns into a psychopath, a crazy man, a weirdo. I, I just, I found that sort of weird turn on it to be such a unique take that I, I was just really transfixed by it after a certain point. It took me a bit to, like, really get to this take, especially when thinking about the very end of the movie, but I, I think they intentionally play into the fact that, like, he's not quite a ladies' man. He fancies himself that after just one encounter, but slowly he just is, like, a really a fucking crazy person who's just stuck in what might be his own purgatory. Yeah, no, he's a maniac and potentially a serial murderer. Like, even to the, And I do love the play on, especially with the police uh, detective or whatever you want to call him, where he's, like, kind of his boy, where he doesn't really want to accuse him like he's like well where were you like he's always offering him an alibi and even at the end he's like you know somebody just shot people on level four four people are dead oh you have a gun good you can use it to defend yourself <laughs> and then that's but, such a great shot where he's just like i did it i did it and no one's around and no one's around they're all gone perfect I, I, yeah I no i agree that's my favorite scene in the movie but did you agree with generally that overall take they're trying to do with the character no, I, I do. I do. Um, look, man, I got to be honest with you. I did Rawhead Rex and then uh, Burial Ground and this in two day span. I'm just like, oh, God. So oh, I no, been... we're not banking episodes at all, everybody. We totally recorded no, this no, one no, week no, after no, the no, other. No, 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 no. Well, no, no. no. I, 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 uh, I'm, uh, you know, I can see into the future. Um, <laughs> okay, so I watched three well, two really shitty movies in two days. And then this movie was on the back end and um, it, it just, it did not connect with me. I don't know what it is. It, it's definitely worth another watch for me, but. Oof. Oof. <laughs> it's just between, between fucking uh, burial ground and this, you're just like a loss for words after. Oh time. man, this is, this is a bad episode for me. Well, I, I mean, I'll agree to some extent where I will say the first half where it's trying to be more evil daddy, I will say I found it cute, but not necessarily as like fun as an evil dead or other stuff. It felt more kind of rote. I was like, this is charming, but it's not necessarily the best version of this. There's cute stuff. Like we mentioned the Naki character, his sidekick who ends up falling in love with a woman who ends up dying in a motorcycle accident, having her head cut off and he takes out her head and it's come to life. And he has like a weird romance with his severed head. Yeah. He puts it in a TV. Yes. He puts in this TV that was previously destroyed. I love how that uh, severed head just has propulsion for some reason. Right. I love the bit where he's like playing his uh, musical instrument. It's like weirdly like rolling, but not rolling (laughs) following him. And shit like that. There's there's like touches like that that I find fun. But I'll agree that I think earlier on I was like, okay, this is like a typical kind of Evil Dead also ran. That's interesting. That's fun. But I think where it really takes that turn to me is the Grim Reaper scene. Because I think that's where it truly becomes something else. Becomes this like weird, tumultuous... It almost feels kind of like, um, in, in a weird way, kind of predicting um, video game 
uh, sort of aesthetics where it's like this character who's stuck in like a quote unquote sandbox environment of the cemetery and this little town that he's in. And it's constantly like, oh yeah, I can, I have my own free will. I can make my own decisions. But really he is constantly at the whim of like, you have to like shoot down these zombies. You have to like make the dead go away. And there are no like repercussions. You can even shoot the living and people don't give a shit. Like it's the weird eternity of like, oh, I'm a first person shooter character doomed to kind of just keep doing this forever. I found that really fascinating, where especially by the end of the movie, where it becomes clear that it's like, oh, I'm he's trying to escape, he's trying to leave with Nagi. It's like, oh no, the, the earth is completely just like sunken, and there's a crevice, and it's just like, oh shit, he can't escape this. I think it's it makes it weirdly go from like a fun horror comedy to a truly existential nightmare dread of a horror movie, where it's like, oh hey, you know how much cute fun we were having with like zombies coming back, and he's like being a badass and all this other stuff he just does that forever and he never gets to find love. He never really gets to have relationships or friendships even with anybody except Nagi or the one character who ends up like getting out by like shooting his wife and son and then going into a coma. That's how he gets out of this fucking world. They talk about that even like those two characters about how like, Oh man, we're just stuck in this one particular place. It's kind of like we're, you know, hamsters in a wheel just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And, that sort of theme resonates as he keeps like just doing the same things, trying to like get somebody to be like, Hey, notice how I'm completely falling apart here. Notice that I'm completely destroying all these people around me. Somebody just notice that I'm not well, I'm not in the right state of mind and nobody gives a shit. Cause like, this is how it goes. This is how we just keep going on with life. And I found that so much more deep and fascinating than I would have expected a movie that from all the clips I had seen, like, Oh, this is a random over the top horror movie with funny bits in it. I, I just found that so much more unique than the average one to me. I definitely got a lot of Evil Dead, Dead Alive sort of vibes off it. And I, I honestly think maybe I wasn't in the right headspace. Uh, I would like to watch this again because there were things in it that I enjoyed. I thought Rupert Everett was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the motorci- motorcycle crash scene was fucking awesome. <laughs> when the tire rolled over the head and the head just popped the fuck off. I mean, great. And then I do love the gag of like, oh, a bus goes over and then they show later like, oh, it was a bus full of Cub Scouts. And And he's got to fight them. And he just shoots them all in the head. Right, and and they're singing a song about just like, don't go on that strip. Everybody died. (laughs) Like, it's a really fucked up weird song. I think it maybe I, uh, had too high of hopes for this one because I've heard about it for so long. And did, did, uh, you, did you at least see some of the existential weird stuff that came up at the end that I'm talking about? Though, I mean, I saw it, but and I mean, that's how disconnected it was. I didn't give a shit. It was there. I noticed it was there, but I'm like, man, eh, okay. I was, I was kind, I was honestly waiting for the movie to end. You know what I mean? I, I kind of had a similar response issue while I was watching it, but it was way more in the reverse of just, like, watching the typical horror comedy stuff, I found that so much more rote and familiar, though fun as it might be. And I think as that other stuff kept going along, it felt almost weirdly very relevant, considering a lot of the stuff, like, you know, we're, we're dealing with an environment right now where you have, like, weird incel idiots. And Dia de la Morte almost feels like he is sort of, like, the poster child of, like, what they would want to be. Just somebody who's like, oh, yeah, he's a true badass. He has sex with women, but he also shoots down zombies. He's sort of like a typical geek male fantasy to some extent. And this movie really feels very prescient in terms of, like, completely destroying that that sort of archetype. I think that really might have also leaned on it, too, the more I really thought about it. Maybe I might be overthinking the movie a bit. I don't know. I might be railing on and at him might be in the more familiar perspective of just like, I don't know. I don't think that's the case, man. A lot of people really love this movie, but I, I honestly, I think I'm in the minority. Right. I mean, I get, do you at least agree with me about the personification of death that shows up? Yeah, that was badass. Mm-hmm. And I actually do agree with you with that. That's one of my favorite things that happens in movies. The personification of death. Uh, my favorite might be William Sadler. Oh, of, of Bill and Ted. Bush, Jr., of course. Yeah. I fucking love that. Or, yes. but no, I I definitely definitely do like that, and I thought that was a very very well done 
be it animatronic or dude in a suit or whatever the hell it was. It was badass. I mean, it had to be an animatronic because it's so skinny. Like, I mean, it, it kind of genu- had to be, right? Right. It, it looks genuinely like it's a like skeleton that is coming up and talking. And it almost kind of reminded me of like the skeletons from like an army of darkness in terms of like the actual like facial structure and all that other shit. And even when it comes back in terms of like not the puppet, but when he talks to a version of death that's just like the statue and he just is talking to it like about like, well, well I mean, what do I do? I, I can't keep living like this. I might as well just shoot myself, I guess. And it just says aim for the head. Like that's such a creepy moment. That really sits, and even like when he looks up and it's initially just a cloak, then he looks back down, looks back up, and the skull's there. And she's like, that's so unsettling, and it really fits into like how his reality is just completely destroying itself around him. No, I agree. That that actually was one of my favorite parts of the movie, to where this personification of death is constantly talking to him and maybe persuading him to like give me more souls. Or, you know, you're fucking this up. They're already dead. Why are you, you know, you're creating more work for me. I think that's such a great idea. But I don't think it was carried off that well. Okay. Well, no, I, I'm curious about any, like, specific reason why you feel it wasn't done that well. Well, I mean, I like the idea of the movie. I think it's a really cool idea. You know, the dead come back to life. This guy takes a cemetery and he's got to kill him, and then death is fucking with him the whole time, and he finally meets somebody. They bang on her dead husband's grave, and then she gets killed, and did he kill her? Did he not? I I mean, there's a lot of cool shit in this. Maybe, I don't know, man. It's such an American-style like Sam Raimi movie, but with the Italian spin on it, then maybe it doesn't work for me. Like, maybe it doesn't connect. It is this weird blend of, like, it's 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 like if Sam Raimi kind of blended with a Fellini in terms of, like, the surreal elements of it. So I could see people being turned off by necessarily. Um, and I'm not even usually, like, a big fan of, like, the Fellini French New Wave kind of stuff, but this definitely has shades of that. Like, even with um, sort of the surreal elements of, like, when she ends up coming back and rising up and he shoots her and he thinks, like, oh, maybe did I actually, was she alive at that point and I shot her and dead and all this other stuff. Um, I, I think that's, there's, there's fascinating stuff there. Even, like, there's Hitchcocky elements where I mentioned Vertigo. He keeps seeing different versions of that same actress show up. The, I'll admit that the one who says that she got raped and enjoyed it, that's very weird. I, I think that doesn't hold up very well. That's a little, yeah, that's a little, uh, uh, It's like, yeah. oh, oh, this is the same kind of bad Italian in, like, the incest way we mentioned earlier with Burial Crown. This is kind of weird why, why we're bringing this up suddenly necessarily um but i really like the sort of um quote-unquote badass version of her that that comes up and he's instantly just like i i want you to fall in love with me what but i already have like once again it's another sort of like him leaning into his fantasy of like what he wants this woman to necessarily be and then it's like oh it turns out she's allegedly a prostitute and he ends up responding to this by burning down the entire fucking um you know apartment building she's in and all this other shit there's yeah, a lot he of murders stuff. her Right, he murders her and everybody in that apartment building. Like, he just burns all, them all down. Um, and it, once again, it feels almost kind of like it's predictive of a lot of, like, toxic masculinity stuff that has been, like, coming up more in conversation now. It feels, like I said, so ahead of its time. I, I think there, there's there's so many elements here that I'm just rattling off about. But I, I think that's what makes it stand out from a lot of, like, the worser Evil Dead ripoffs. Because there are so many bad ones. There's... Mm-hmm like don't work whatsoever i think this one you can at least agree stands it as a unique one oh no 100 percent, 100 percent. did you get a peter jackson vibe from this movie i mean yeah sure there's definitely a lot of like dead alive or um, early peter jackson like brain dead even frighteners well this was released pre-frighteners no i know but i'm saying it just there was definitely a peter jackson sort of influence on this as well I do think this movie is going to be better when I rewatch it, but that's why I'm so excited about this because I do not like it now. I don't hate it. I mean, at all, but I'm excited to rewatch it and we'll see. We'll see where the wind may take me. Yes. Thanks to all my brilliant takes that you just heard. It just will completely change your perspective. Obviously it might or, or it won't. And then I'll quit the show. <laughs> that's true that's how it usually works um but i mean i guess do you have any final thoughts adam on the movie i thought rupert everett was really good in it. i love 
the idea of this movie. I love the character. I love the the plot. And I know once he hit it big, like right after or right before my best friend's wedding, he actually contacted the author to want to do it again in American, like an American remake, and they had no interest, which I think is might be for the better. I think this movie can only exist in the surrealist sort of foreign idea. I, I think an American remake of this would just be Army of Darkness, basically. Or or Dylan Dog. It's worse like yeah, studio made right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, um, as I mentioned, I was kind of grew to be very fascinated with this movie. The more it became this weird blend of horror comedy and a really dark sort of brutal satire that I didn't expect it to be. Uh, I think the more it kind of went into that field, it became a lot more fascinating to me than the cute Evil Dead movie it was beforehand. Um, I do agree. I think Rupert Everett is such an interesting choice to do this. He kind of has that great middle ground of a Bruce Campbell where like, he's fit, but not buff, and he's slender and elongated. He almost just feels like he, like the standard pose for like a plastic man. Like if there was a 90s movie, it would have been like either Bruce Campbell or Rupert Everett as Plastic Man. <laughs> and honestly, they kind of like fit that Jesus, do we really want a Plastic Man movie? Now I wouldn't actually be against it. I think there would be a lot of interesting, fun things you could do with Plastic Man in a modern context. Maybe not that 90s movie. That would have looked a lot awkward. <laughs> but uh, as opposed to now, you could do... I mean, look at what uh, Miss Incredible was, in, especially the most recent Incredibles movie. I think you can do a lot with that, especially maybe an animated movie on that. Uh, but anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, I, I really dug Cemetery Man. I was really fascinated with it. I really respect that it didn't go the way I was really expecting at all. And I think it's, like I said, it's an interesting sort of meditation on what being the badass hero of a horror movie does to one's psyche, and how it just ultimately kind of can drive somebody mad up to a certain point. I, I find that really fascinating. I find it to be a really distinct take that really just like kind of hold held ground in my mind really well. In a way that I really, like I said, when I first saw it, I didn't know quite what to make of it. And the more I've thought about it, the more I really, really dig and respect what it's doing here. So I would definitely say, for my money, uh, check out Cemetery Man. It's quite, quite enjoyable. But that is the end of our discussion of our two Italian horror films. And uh, we got some feedback, because every Monday on at Pod we share about, like, hey, what's your favorite, least favorite, you know, movies of whatever topic we're doing. Um, and then we read on the show here, including uh, first from... Joseph Stephen Heath says, I've only seen Cemetery Man, so put that where you will. Where do we put that, Adam? Uh, in a cupboard, uh, I guess? I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah, sure. Average? <laughs> I guess, sure. Brian Kane says, I remember seeing Suspiria on Cinemax when I was about six, and the scene with the eyes looking in through the window fucked me up for weeks. Also, I love Demons, a movie that helped cement my love for 80s metal. That's very true. If you have not seen Demons, there's a lot of fun 80s metal weird shit like that soundtrack is stacked for fucking demons demons is awesome yeah lots of fun it's for those who don't know it's about a bunch of people go to a theater to watch a horror movie and then there's like a mask that like ends up releasing a demon a bunch of demons that like infect people in the theater so it's like a weird almost like demon siege movie in a movie theater it's really fucking fun um, and then uh, James Rodriguez says, uh, from Goblin's hypnotic score to the gorgeous style that the various pieces of Suspiria come together for a terrifying whole, almost on par with it is uh, City of the Living Dead, an unsettling feature that peaks with an impressively disgusting scene in a car. Less successful is House by the Cemetery, an utter mess that's worsened by laughable dubbing, which makes the kid even more irritating. Now, I haven't seen those other two films besides Suspiria, Adam. Are, is those, uh, are those accurate takes? Sailing Limited Dad's really cool. There is, I know exactly what scene he's talking about in the car. It's absolutely revolting and disgusting, but awesome. Housewives Cemetery's, eh, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's not that good, but we've talked about Suspiria before, and I, I Suspiria is easily, as uh, I said on our last episode about Candyman, in my top ten. Yeah, it's a phenomenal, weird movie. Oh, it's, it's so it's, fucking good. It's it's a great example of like a weird fairy tale horror movie just come to life. Mm-hmm. It's like just incredible to watch. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorites for sure. Um, well, thank you for all that feedback, and we also want to thank some other people like Chris Oliver for the intro and after music used on our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art that we use for our show, and uh, find us on Twitter. 
and Facebook at DEDBpod. Um, and uh, you can also email us feedback at doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. And then you can also find me on my own individual Twitter account at not the who's Tommy, uh, where I write my little musings and such. I also write at marianitomas.wordpress.com for like movie reviews and stuff. I would have have I believe as of right now a review of Joker out, which I haven't seen at the time of this recording, but uh, that's gotten a lot of buzz at him. Lots of interesting, controversial takes on Joker. Ah, <sighs> I don't care. I have zero interest in that one, i got to be honest. I also do some writing as well over at uh, TrueSuperheroFans.com, where I write superhero news uh, that's all fake and satirical, but all sorts of fun. Uh, Like, for example, I've written a few Joker articles about, like, uh, a bunch of Twitter users with the same avatar uh, think Joker will be the best and worst movie of all time. Might be a bit more accurate than that satire claim might make it seem. Um, And you can also hear me uh, on another podcast did a... Uh, guest spot, which should be up at the time of this, is out with uh, the gang from Sequels, who have all been guests on our show. Uh, they review direct-to-video sequels on there. And I'm talking with them about Cult of Chucky, which uh, I introduced them to Curse of Chucky, which for a while was their like favorite they ever did on that show. Brag. Brag. I know. Um, and uh, they invited me on to <laughs> talk about the sequel. Well, look at you, man. You're just a man about town. Yes, I'm just all over the place. They don't usually have guests on there, Adam. I'm one of, like, a few privileged people. I think they're going to sacrifice me. I haven't recorded it yet. Who knows? Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) They don't have guests. (laughs) Well, don't worry, because you can find Adam uh, sitting in a cemetery completely repeating endlessly uh, the task of shooting down zombies over and over again for all eternity. I mean, no, that's not true. (laughs) I'm just sleeping, praying for my own death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, help starve off uh, his moments of death uh, by subscribing to us on iTunes or some various other platforms like YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or other podcasting platforms out there. And if you're listening on ESO, uh, why not dig into our archives for the first several episodes? We only posted 60, episode 68 onward on ESO, so there's a huge archive of episodes to listen to out there. And if nothing else, if you could either raid or review or even just share us out there, we would uh, greatly appreciate it and just spread the word about the show because it gets us more listeners. Yeah, I mean, just do it, right? Isn't that what they say? Like, Nike? Just do it? I don't know. I don't know pop culture. That very relevant phrase. Well, uh, before you just uh, crumble into a pile there, Adam, uh, we gotta do our picking for next week. Next week, um, in honor of actually uh, Zombieland 2 is coming out, which that's definitely a movie I have no interest in. Whatsoever. Oh, At all. At all. Nope. Uh, It just, like, feels too little too late. I really like that movie. I dig Zombieland a lot, the first one. Um, I don't really care to see a sequel at this point. I don't know what we can get out of that yeah. now. I mean, I like the first one enough, but I don't like it as much as some people do. Like, I think it's fun, but, I mean, people are like, Zombieland's the greatest horror comedy of all time. Go fuck yourself. There's there's not much point in um, picking up where we left off or whatever. It's also just so weird just because it's like watching that uh, the trailer where it's like, Academy Award nominee, Abigail Breslin, Academy Award nominee, Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Academy Award winner, Emma Stone. (laughs) Just like, oh yeah, right, these people have all gone to other things. It feels like this is regressing in a really weird way. Why are we coming back to this? Absolutely. Yeah. But um, we're going to talk about some horror comedies regardless of that. And now, Adam, you have the two good picks for horror comedies. I have the two bad picks. And so you've assigned numbers between one and ten for both of your choices and same for mine. And so now we'll each pick numbers between 1 and 10 in order to get the good and bad half of that double feature. So, for your two good picks, Adam, I'm going to pick number four. Ooh, at number two, I have the James Gunn Slither. Oh, great! I love Slither. Yeah. What was your other choice? Number nine, I had Black Sheep. I've never seen that one. I've heard good things. It's it's something. <laughs> it's a fun one. Yes. Uh, so now, Adam, this will be interesting because... Uh, Bad horror comedies. That can uh, be the worst of the worst. No, th- that is the worst of the worst. Oh, shit. Uh, I'll go to number five. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, oh. oh. No. No. I'll go number eight. Okay. Uh, at number seven, 
I had um, a fairly obscure movie that I've only heard about for so long, because uh, it has a weird production history. Shoveled release dates a lot. It was originally called uh, Kitchen Sink, but now it's released out there as a movie called Freaks of Nature, which has oh. a bunch of big comedy stars like uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Patton Oswalt and Bob Odenkirk, a bunch of other people. It just got kind of buried. Great. Oh, great. I've never heard of this one. I bet I'm going to fucking hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's just because, like, there's nothing really about this movie, just, like, a couple bad reviews, but just, I'm just so deadly curious given the talent. But then at number one, I had a trauma horror movie called uh, Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, which I only really know because... Oh, Jesus Christ, Thomas! Which I only really know because uh, Billy Bob Thornton has his debut in that film, evidently. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. So that makes it relevant. What the fuck? All right. <laughs> I, I just I didn't want to pick really any of the obvious choices, honestly. No, I get it. I get it. Great. So <laughs> Slither and Freaks whatever of nature. the Freaks of Nature. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, Adam, you've been having a bad time, so you know why don't we just uh, go ahead and end this episode now? The cooker, you a bigger pizza pie. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Mama Mia. I'm really confused why we quoted Gone with the Wind. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.